Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Pastor Saeed Abendini, name sound familiar? He is a Calvary Chapel pastor. And the Mission Magazine, not the last one, but the one prior to that, if you remember, covered the story on the persecuted church and those who are persevering. And in it has a three to four page article interviewing uh, Pastor Abendini's wife. And she tells the story of how we can pray for them and, and how God is even using this situation for his glory. And it blew me away that this woman, whose husband is being held captive in in, in an Iranian prison just because he preached the gospel, is able to say, God is getting the glory through my husband. She said that. She said, God is working out a purpose and a plan. And what we need to understand is that when we are going through a trial situation, God is always working for your good and his glory. The Bible says, I'm waiting that somebody can get excited and clap your hands and say something. Your good and his glory. For we know all things work together for those who love God. And they were called according to his purpose. I don't care what you're going through, Pastor. You don't understand. I don't understand. And I'll never understand. And I don't need to understand. You need to understand that what you're going through, God has a purpose. What you're going through, I'm awaiting. What you're going through, God has a plan. And, and that's why it is horribly dangerous. And I might even put it in a category of heresy to tell someone that if you're going through something or you're going through a trial, you must not have enough faith. Oh, it's just your faith because if you believe God, <laughs> if you believe God, then, then, then you wouldn't be in this situation. Listen, I believe God, and I also believe that God works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. And no matter what I go through, God is working for my good. And for his glory. So every trial that you go through, know that God has one hand on the thermostat and one hand on you. You can know that. And he'll never put more on you than you can bear. I'm a witness. Never put more than you can bear. I've been through some stuff. Don't get it twisted. It's been 18 years of pastoring this church, and I've been through some stuff. Some stuff I didn't think I'd ever recover from. Those of you who know me, you know. Things I did not think I'd recover from. But I knew two words. But God. But God, no matter what you're going through, 
throughout history. The result of persecution, listen, is always the same. It always leaves you with a pure church, an undefiled church, a unified church. Persecution leads to a growing church and a serious church and a separated, sold-out church. It was Tertullian who was a church historian, and he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Persecution fans the flames and stokes our souls. I tweeted that this morning. Christians are being persecuted all around the world, even right now. And it amazes me because we have the freedom to worship God in our country. We have the freedom right now. Christian, listen, I don't care if you're 8 or 80. We have the freedom right now to praise God and to worship God and to lift up holy hands. We don't have to worry about gunmen coming in here saying who's going to die for Christ right now. We don't have to worry about that right now. And it amazes me. I'm still amazed at how some people can come to church and be completely unaffected by the worship and by they just stand there and, 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 and look uninterested and unaware and detached and, and, and unaffected by what's going on when we have the freedom to worship God now and we need to take advantage of that freedom now because it always it will always be there. Don't you get your head out the sink. Don't you understand that persecution is coming this way? It's not going to always be this way. It's getting here right now. Don't you hear it? Propaganda. Propaganda is, propaganda is nothing. Look, I can tell you a lie, but if I tell it to you long enough and put it before your face long enough, you'll start to believe it's the truth. That's called Propaganda. And what we're seeing now is propaganda. For example, if you say anything that is against the political agenda, that's hate speech. Y'all need to say preach, Pastor. I am. If you say anything, if you, if you say Jesus is the only way, you know, that's offensive to people. If you disagree. Have you noticed if you dis, just disagree, I, like you live in a country of free speech and we can say what we want and have our opinions, except in that area. Don't y'all make me go there. Except the Christian, we can't say what we want to say. We can't have our own opinions because that's hate speech. That's intolerant, brother. Don't you understand that's just the seeds of propaganda? And after a while, even in the church, you'll be, you, you, you'll be listening to it for so long, you'll be going, well, you know, <laughs> well, you know, ain't nothing wrong with it. I mean, you know, everybody, well, everybody, because you're believing the propaganda. Christians, we got to gird up the loins of our minds. We got to take captive the thoughts in our minds. And we got to bring every thought into obedience to this book. Every thought. Every thought. Every thought. And I believe the enemy is going to use this hate speech intolerant platform to bring persecution to Christians in the United States. What are we to do? I think we should do what the church of Smyrna did. Be faithful unto death and God's going to give us a crown of life. Somebody say amen and clap your hands. Will you do that? 
we got to move a little quicker. Look at verse 19 in chapter 15. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Again, a class condition. If, if, and you are not. If you were of the world and you are not, the world would love its own. Because you are not of the world and I chose you out of the world, they hate you. In other words, the world hates you because you're not of this world. We have a different destiny. We have a different values. We've got different morals. In verse 20, Jesus said, remember, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. Now, remember in chapter 13, verse 16, Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. We just read that, yes? Jesus was referring there in chapter 13 to washing feet in humble service. Here, Jesus isn't talking about humble service. He's talking about suffering. Jesus says, you're not greater than I. If I can do it, you can do it. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Now, we love to underline and highlight promises of God in the Bible, don't we? I wonder how many of y'all have this verse highlighted. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. How many of you got that underlined in your Bible? Amen. That's a promise. Matthew 5.10, here's a promise. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The key is, saints, listen, persecuted for righteousness. A lot of Christians are being persecuted for righteousness. A lot of Christians are being persecuted because they're weird. Y'all say amen. Y'all know I say what y'all thinking. Because they're weird, and that doesn't count. All right? If you're weird, that doesn't count. (laughs) You're getting persecuted because you deserve it. (laughs) Amen. If you're not getting the work, y'all pray for me. If you're not getting the work on time and the boss is hot, that ain't persecution. That's called tardy. (laughs) You ain't heard that word in a while, have you? Tardy. You tardy for the party. Tardy. I remember when I started church some years ago, it was many years ago, and uh, I remember this guy I had working for me, and, you know, he was a real spiritual guy and everything like that. I really, really liked him. And, and so I, a couple days in a row, I'm looking for him. This is like when back in the gas station church, and I'm looking for him, and I'm going around, hey, where you at, man? Hey, where you at? Where you at? Well, I finally find him in the children's church classroom sitting in the corner on the floor reading the Bible. And I said, um... What you doing? And he goes, there's work to be done. There's bathrooms to be cleaned and floors to be vacuumed and church in a few hours. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, he felt the Lord told him that day that the Lord wanted him to spend the day reading the Bible. I told him, I said, well, you know what? The Lord told me to give you as much time as you need to read the Bible unemployed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 22, <laughs> nice segue. Jesus said, if, look at verse 22. If you look at verse 22, say I'm looking at it. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Now listen, Jesus is talking about, you got a pen? Write this down. Jesus is talking about a specific sin here, the sin of rejecting him. Understand, when the world killed Jesus, they did it in the face of revelation. God had given them the whole Old Testament. God gave them Jesus. They heard his words. They saw what he did. They watched his life. They rejected him and they killed him. And God gave them a full display of revelation. And Jesus has shown them God and they rejected. And now they're without excuse. Jesus is saying, 
If I hadn't come to the earth and told you about God and how to follow God, they might not have an excuse when they stand before God. But the truth is they've heard all about God. You've seen my life. You've heard my words. You've seen the revelation of God. And now you're without excuse. Verse 23 and 24. He who hates Jesus hates my father also. Now here's a good verse for people who say I love Jesus or I love God, but I don't love Jesus. You know, people say that. I've heard people say, well, I love God, but I just not, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Great verse. You can't have one without the other. Amen. Sound like love and marriage, don't it? Love and marriage, love and marriage, horse and carriage. That was told by mother. Y'all help me. You can't have one without the You can't have Jesus and not have a father also. I told you all to pray for me this third service. And I think about it. Jesus had done many, many things. He opened the eyes of the blind, unstopped the ears of the deaf, cleansed the lepers, fed the hungry, raised the dead, calmed the storm. And they hated him. Why? Because Jesus was breaking down the religious hypocritical system of the day and uprooting them from their place. They were losing their security. Are you getting me? The religious leaders hated him. You would think that they would love him. You would think they would rejoice. I mean, think about this. If Jesus today went over to Wake Med and he went up to the Peds ward on Wake Med and, and he healed all the kids on the Peds ward, you would think people would be happy. You would think the city would rejoice. You would think that if, 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 if I'm telling you that God changed my life, and I'm telling you that I used to be this way, but then God changed my life and now I'm this way. You would think folks would be happy. You would think people would be happy if, you, you know, some people are not happy. Like you tell them, Jesus came to my life and changed my life. I've heard of people losing their families. The family turns their back on them because they became a Christian. You would think they'd be happy. It's almost like you were happier when I was on drugs. Am I right about it? I'm telling you, God changed my life. I'm telling you, I was like this, and now I'm like this. I'm telling you, I was doing drugs, but now God set me free. I'm telling you, I was a dancer, and I ain't talking about dancing with the stars. I'm talking about, amen. I'm telling you, I was a dancer, but now I'm rejoicing. You would think that people would be happy. But instead, people hate you for it. Not only do they hate you, but they hated Jesus. Also, look at verse 25. They hated him without a cause. Now here, verse 25, you write this in your margin, Psalm 35 and 69. The Messiah would be hated without a cause, it tells us. Notice the first part of verse 25. This happened that the word might be fulfilled. What happened? Verse 22, 23, and 24 happened. The fact that Jesus spoke enough words and did enough deeds to make men responsible so when they hate him, it's without a cause. God erased every reason for a man to be able to hate Jesus. No man can look at Jesus and say, "Uh uh-huh, that's the reason I don't like him. You can't. You can look at me and say that. Hey, that's the reason why I don't like that guy. Or look at you and say that. I know I can look at y'all and say that. That's why I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. But no man, think about it. No man can look at Jesus and say, I don't like him. And there are some people who say that God planned people to hate Jesus. No, God planned that people would hate him without a cause. 
In other words, God gave so much revelation. God gave so much grace. God gave so much love. God made Jesus so beautiful, so pure and attractive and desirable that if a man hates him, it's for no reason. Or maybe the reason is his own flesh and his own sin. God did everything possible to save men and keep them out of hell. Verse 26 and 27, we come in for a landing. But when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father. Y'all looking at verse 26 and 27? I'll send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus, now keep in mind, has been talking about hatred, yes? So the question, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with hatred? Well, two things, real simple. Number one, Jesus wants the disciples to understand when the world hates you, the Holy Spirit will sustain you. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can break the hatred. So, look at me. This weekend, I'm preparing this sermon. Not possible to prepare a sermon like this and it not affect you. That you have to think about, as a preacher, you have to think about and be convicted about the things that you preach about before you ever preach them. That's why Paul said the labor must first be a partaker of the fruit. In communion, he says, I give to you what I got from the Lord, that which was given to me. So this weekend, that which was given to me, I've got to ponder this since I started reading and writing this since Thursday. If a gunman walked into the room right now and said to me, are you willing to die for Christ right now? What would I say? What would I do? I literally thought about that question all weekend. And I honestly have to tell you, I don't know. I don't know what I would do, honestly. I would love to stand here and tell you, you know, I'm so holy and so, you know, when I get up, I don't even walk. I levitate. (laughs) You know, and I just, I walk like this. I would love to tell you that, but that's not true. The reality is, I don't know. And I don't know that anybody can really honestly answer that question until you are in that situation. But listen, I think that I can give you some strong indicators on here. Listen, how likely are you to die for Christ? How likely? Somebody came in and said, I'm going to kill you unless you deny the Lord. How likely are you to stand for Christ and die for him? This might help you to gauge where you are. How likely are you to die for Christ? Listen, real simple. Number one, how likely are you to die for Christ? Ask yourself, are you living for him now? Simple. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That verse goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says that I beg you, I implore you, I beseech you. I honestly cry out to you. It's almost like I grab your your lapels and I'm shaking you. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So if you won't submit yourself to God as a living sacrifice, you certainly won't submit yourself to God as a dying sacrifice. If your faith won't bring you back, how likely are you to die for Christ? If your faith won't bring you back to God's house Sunday or Wednesday, it's highly unlikely it's going to take you to the gas chamber 
if called upon, a faith that does not bring words of witness to your lips in a land of free speech would not likely take you to the burning stake to a public witness for Christ. If your faith can't get a financial offering out your pocket to give to the Lord, I doubt it would get you to the chopping block for beheading if called upon. If your faith can't keep you away from fleshly habits, it's not likely it would take you to the lion's den. A faith that doesn't prompt you to obey in small things like reading the Bible and praying will not likely bring you before a firing squad. How likely are you? The Bible says we are blessed. We're persecuted for righteousness sake. And I don't think that we in our country understand it, but I, I don't think the time is that far off where we will need to make a stand for Christ. And my question to you is, will you? You got to answer that. And you got to be ready. And the time to get ready is now. You can't get ready when you're faced with the situation. You got to be ready. Spiritual warfare is like that. You can't go get ready for spiritual warfare. You got to be ready for spiritual warfare. And how do you get ready for spiritual warfare? Put on the full armor of God. This book right here. You get in this book right here, and that's how you get ready. I remember some years ago, and I'm going to let y'all go. Amen. What does it mean when a preacher say in closing? Nothing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Write that down. So years ago, this, this one uh, couple came to my office. Actually, it was just a husband. Came, he made an appointment with me, and he wanted to tell me that they were leaving the church. And I said, okay, you know what? Honestly, it's God's church. Wherever you are, that's where God wants you to be. I'm good. So he said they were leaving the church, but the reason they were leaving the church was because I wasn't preparing people for persecution. That I wasn't preparing them for persecution. And I think what he was really trying to say is actually he was like a, now some of y'all, he was a mid-tribber or a mid-tribulationist. In other words, he believed the, the church was going to go through the tribulation, so I wasn't preparing people for that time. But he says, I'm not preparing people for persecution. And I looked across the table and I went, how is it that you would like me to prepare people for, per, for persecution? How do you prepare people for persecution? What do you want me to do? Tell people to go get guns and beans? I'm not going to tell people to go get guns and beans. That is not my job. My job is to tell people to get this word and put this on your heart. You can go get guns and beans if you want to go get guns and beans. Get you some rice. You might be there for a minute. I don't know, but that's not my job. What do you want me to do? I told him, I said, listen, my, the only way I know, I'm going to let y'all go get your chicken sandwich. The only way I know to get folk ready for persecution is to tell them, like David said, write thy word upon the tables of my heart that I sin not against thee. To take this book, these words, and study them, know them. Because when you're standing there, you're going to need to be able to, the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance all things that he said. But if there's nothing up there for him to bring back to remembrance, he won't, you won't remember anything. You gotta, if you're going to remember something, you've got to put something on the hard drive. I'm just trying to keep it where y'all can get it, all right? You've got to put the words in your heart and in your mind so that when it's time, if the time does come, that God's word will just well up in you and it will come to you to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
It will come to you that this life is very temporary. Eternity awaits the believer. And that will give you hope. And then you will be able to stand because you have this book written in here. Because they're going to take this book away from you. all got that. All right, you're not going to have the book. That's why you need to open it and read it. Christians. I'm talking to listen, you're not a Christian. I'm not even talking to you. I got it. You're not a Christian. I got it. But Christians I'm talking to. About five minutes a day, ten minutes a day. Study it. That's why I tell you to take notes. I don't tell you to take notes because I need you to keep busy. I want you to listen to me. <laughs> Amen. I study for 14, 15 hours. You're going to hear this. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I'm going to take my time. That's right. Y'all don't see me trying to hurry up. No, I'm not. Y'all going to hear this. Yes, sir. You're going to hear this. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.